Hi, I'm Courtney, your host of Food, Wine, and Good Old Times. I'm a public historian on a mission to make history education fun and engaging for everyone. In this podcast, we'll dive into a wide variety of history topics that will spark your love of history and share a delicious food or drink pairing with each podcast along the way. So let's raise a glass to making history fun again. Cheers. Oh my gosh. Hi everyone. Welcome to the first ever Food, Wine, and Good Old Times podcast. I can't believe this dream of mine is becoming a reality and I'm super thankful that I have listeners like you here to support me along the way and obviously you wanna learn some fun history too. So I'm super thankful for you all. Let me start out here by introducing myself real quick. Uh, Since this is the first episode, I feel like people need to kind of get an idea of who I am and why I'm doing this. So like the intro said, my name is Courtney and I'd really like to consider myself to be a public historian. I started my college career thinking I wanted to be a history teacher and I honestly think that's what most people who love history think they have to do in life. Um, But I realized my last semester of college that it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wasn't super happy in a classroom. I didn't like how confined it was and sticking to lesson plans and whatnot. So I knew quickly I needed to shift gears. Well, I found out that I was going to be graduating from undergrad about two and a half, three weeks before graduation. And I knew I needed to start something else. I needed to start this next chapter. And so I decided to start applying to master's degree programs in public history, which can best be described as history education outside of the classroom. And I ended up going to Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And that was a great experience for me because I was able to dip my toes into a lot of different fields that history lovers can work in because there's so much variety. It's not just archiving and curatorial, but education and outreach. um, And that's really the role of a public historian. And before even finishing my program, which I absolutely loved, um, I knew I was going to be moving to Erie since my husband, who was at the time my boyfriend, lived here. And I knew I was going to move to Erie um, shortly after my graduation. So I wanted to gain as much experience in local history scenes here. And looking back on that, it makes me feel super old because that was almost five years ago now. Um, But since then, I have had the pleasure of working for multiple different historical institutions here in Erie. I interned at the Erie Maritime Museum. I interned at the Erie Art Museum. Um, I eventually got a job at the Erie County Public Library as their what I'd like to call a historical librarian. And now I am the digital archives technician for the Erie County Historical Society or Hagen History Center as it's known of now. And while these careers have been great and have gotten me started on helping make history education accessible to everyone, my ultimate career goal is making history fun and engaging and like I said, accessible for everyone, which is part of why I wanted to start this podcast because this is such a great platform for people to be able to easily listen and learn in a fun environment that's not super constricting or sitting in a lecture hall. As you can probably tell from the name of this podcast, I clearly love food 
and I love wine, although I am on a break um, with baby two on the way right now, and I love history. One day, I was just sitting there thinking, why can't I combine these interests into one idea? Um, there's a lot of different historical podcasts out there. There's food podcasts. There's podcasts about drinking, which is all super fun. But why not take all three of these ideas that I know other people love as well and make it an environment that everyone can come together and learn a bit about each along the way. So that's how this podcast was dreamed up. Outside of the history world realm, though, um, I truly do love food, both cooking new recipes and eating in general. I absolutely am a foodie. Um, I love camping, I love hiking, and I love spending time with my family and friends. I've been married for three and a half years now. Um, we have one son currently and another who's expected to make his arrival in the beginning of April. So that's me. <laughs> um, I hope that as you join me on this podcast journey, you learn something new about history and that it's a truly fun experience that doesn't sound too much like a college professor lecturing because let's be real, none of us really want to listen to someone just lecture for a really long time. Um, and that along the way, you get to try some new food or drink recipes too because that's another fun part that I'm excited to tie into this all. So now let's get started with the actual podcast episode because I'm sure you're probably really sick of me talking about myself. So let's go ahead and dive on in. Now you'll probably see from today's podcast episode title, uh, Football and Chicken Wings, a football match made in heaven. You can probably guess what we're going to talk about. And I truly never imagined myself to be someone who cared about football season. Really, I never thought I would. Um, I didn't grow up in a football watching home. Um, I was a band nerd in high school um, and I was in the marching band. So I did go to all the football games, but I didn't actually watch any of the games. I kind of played when I was told. We sat at the one end of the field, so we never really knew what was happening. Um, and I was in high school, I didn't wanna pay attention. Um, and fun fact, I played the tuba in marching band. So I will share a fun picture of me carrying the tuba or sousaphone on my Instagram page because honestly it's hysterical and it looked kind of ridiculous with how big the tuba was and that'll be on my Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, but yeah, so that was my initial experience with football. Then I went to Kent State University in Ohio for my freshman year of college, and I went to one game, just one, and that game ended up having a play featured on ESPN Sports Center's Worst Play of the Week for a really, really, really long time. Um, what happened was one of our players uh, took the ball. Honestly, I can't remember if he had intercepted the ball, if it was a fumble, can't quite remember. But basically this kid took the ball and ran the complete opposite direction almost into our own end zone. Um, everyone was screaming at him. He probably thought we were cheering him on, um, but his own teammates were trying to tackle him to get him to stop running backwards. So there was my first college football experience. And then I transferred to a tiny college in PA um, because Kent State was just a little overwhelming for me. 
and that was called Clarion University and honestly now it's some dumb name called Penn West Clarion so where I went to college doesn't actually exist anymore <laughs> um, and their football team was nothing to really brag about although I did attend more games but that was more f so for the socialization aspect and I did have sorority sisters in the uh, marching band and cheer and dance and whatnot so we went to support them it wasn't until I started dating my husband that I actually started paying attention, kind of. Um, and now we've been together for seven years and I have started taking an interest in watching the sport. Um, I do have a favorite team, Go Bills, still heartbroken they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. And I do have favorite players. I absolutely love Josh Allen and Chase Claypool. And I can actually understand the sport a bit. Like I know who some of the players on the field are and I understand the rules a little bit. There's some things I still can't wrap my head around, but hey, I'm gonna call this progress. But as I was thinking about it and preparing for this episode, I thought about it. Football has such a grip hold on our country. Really, it does. Life here semi-revolves around the sport. If you think about it, March through August, Sundays are just Sundays or church Sundays, whatever it may be. But September through February, though, those are football Sundays. Like, that's what takes place on Sundays. There's an entire strategy and complexity of what I jokingly call fake football in fantasy football leagues, which is definitely uh, important in our family. Um, but really, a lot of people are super into following the sport, and it does kind of control day-to-day -day life, especially during football season. But one of my favorite parts of football season is the food that goes along with it. I mean, obviously, I like the food aspect, if you can't tell already. Um, but the two really go hand-in-hand. -hand. If you're watching a game on a Sunday, there's typically going to be some sort of football tailgating snack, and I absolutely love it. And one of the most famous football Sunday food choices are chicken wings. Why? Honestly, I have no clue. It's extremely regional, um, but on most surveys and lists that you can find on what is the most popular football Sunday snack, wings are listed at least in the top five, and if not in the top five, it's listed as number one. And the food itself is a semi-regional icon. Only an hour and a half away from Erie is Buffalo, New York. And that's actually where Buffalo Wings originated. It is the food to get while in the area. And there's a super great debate on who actually made the first Buffalo Wing. But we'll talk about that later. Let's not get too excited for that yet. So I sat there and thought, how did this sport of football and food, chicken wings, relationship start? And I thought, that's a great question. I want to find out. So we're going to dive into the history of football and the history of chicken wings to see if we can connect the dots. Football got its start all the way back in 1869, but it wasn't quite the football that we're all familiar with today. This first game between Princeton and Rutgers was more of a combination of rugby and soccer rather than the football that we know and love of today. It was all thanks to a man named Walter Camp in the 1870s, and the game moved from being more of a rugby-style game into the football rules we know of today. 
Walter Camp was an all-star athlete who was the football captain for Yale for three years. And then after his time playing football, he served as a coach. And like I said, without him, the sport wouldn't be what it is today. He helped establish the standards, the rules, the new games of play, then compared to its original form back in 1869. Also, I want to note that I find it super interesting that this sport started as a collegiate sport and college football is still extremely popular today. Some people follow college football closer than they do the professional football leagues. So I just think it's really cool that how this sport originated is continued to play um, in that form as well. So the first American Professional Football Association meetup started in Ohio many years later, not until 1920. Um, and the first meetup was actually in Ohio and it continued to grow from there and eventually became known as the National Football League or NFL. And fun fact, many of the original 14 teams were actually closely located to Erie. Um, they spread across New York, Ohio, Michigan, and into Illinois. I was surprised that none of the teams were located in Erie um, because if you think about it, how Cleveland and Buffalo were located, they both had teams, um, but Erie didn't. And so it didn't quite make sense since it's halfway between the two cities, but Either way, it's still really cool that we had the start of such a famous sport very close to our hometown. As the professional football organization and NFL continued to grow, um, it gained a lot of popularity. It was a fun sport to watch, um, but because it was so popular, there was also competition for popularity with other football leagues. And there was also the American Football League now, this was a rivalry for a little bit, but they did eventually join forces to create just one professional organization in 1970. In the NFL today, there are still two regional divisions, the NFC and the AFC, which kind of show that division of the two different professional organizations coming together, but they now all fall under that same professional umbrella of the NFL. And like I said, this sport just continued to expand in popularity. Pennsylvania gained their first professional teams, the Steelers and the Eagles, in the same year in 1933. The Steelers and Eagles are known rivals, but they didn't always butt heads. In the 1943 season, due to World War II continuing on and more and more men needed, um, to be drafted in order to fight overseas, the NFL players became super limited. And that year, in order to keep football going and making the best of a not so great situation in their limited numbers, the Steelers and the Eagles actually combined teams for one year. Uh, they were cleverly known as the Steagles. I mean, you couldn't get any more creative there. I don't know. Um, and that year, they ended the season with a 5-4-1 record. So it's cool to see that throughout history, football had to adapt and change based on what was going on worldwide, not just in the sports world. And there's still way more that goes into football history. I could probably do a very, very, very long podcast on the history of football in general, but we don't have time for that. I love football, but not that much. 
So that's way more complex um, and detailed, but it's semi-easily laid out. Now, the history of buffalo wings, however, is a bit more complex and gets way more fuzzy in trying to connect the dots than it is for football. Going back as far as possible, um, the cooking of bird wings originated out of the intention of wasting no part of an animal. It was out of necessity to make sure that no food was wasted. And as the cooking scene continued on its evolution, we do see that there's more recipes that are created of how people would prepare chicken wings. Um, way back when, there's a lot of recipes for boiled chicken wings and a lot of other ways as well, from baked to roasted and whatnot. Um, I'm gonna be honest, a lot of these older recipes that I found sound absolutely awful. Um, I think boiled chicken breasts are kind of gross in the first place. So boiling a chicken wing just sounds absolutely revolting to me. I just imagine it being slimy and gross. Um, and But there's recipes of fried and baked and other variations similar to buffalo wings today throughout history, but none that we know of as a true buffalo wing. And like I said earlier, the start of the actual buffalo wing is greatly debated in history. Uh, maybe not all of history, but especially in the Buffalo, New York region, it is a greatly debated topic of how this recipe started. The most popular start of the recipe is, like I said, in Buffalo, New York, where Teresa Bellissimo was cooking in her restaurant and took some of the chicken wings that she had. She cut them in two pieces, fried them, and covered them in a spicy buffalo sauce, which was served first at the Anchor Bar in 1964. The other claim to fame of this recipe is John Young's. He claims he was the first to start frying chicken wings and serving them in his special mambo sauce first in 1963 and opening his restaurant Wings and Things in 1964 because his recipe was so popular. Now, Young's does state that Bellissimo was the first to cut the wings in two and serve them in his signature celery and blue cheese sides, but it was ultimately him who started this trend as he would have lines out the door for his wings, which sold 10 for $1. 10 for $1. That is crazy in and of itself. And we could talk about the history of price changes of food because now when you go to a restaurant, uh, you're lucky if you can get 10 wings for anywhere close to $10, if I'm being honest. So that was kind of cool to learn about as well. And this is where I'll chime in and say that recipe history is one of the most complex histories to actually determine. Um, recipes technically can't be copyrighted since it's just a list of ingredients. Now, images and actual wording of how to make the recipes can be, um, such as in cookbooks, but this is where the verbiage and whatnot can make it way more complex because someone can take their own picture of the food that they made and change up the wording or order a little bit of how to prepare the recipe and it's their own. So when it comes to recipes such as this buffalo wing where two people were making something very similar, they weren't publishing a cookbook to say, hey, look, here's my recipe. It was something they were creating and making on their own. So it makes picking a date and seeing which one is actually the first way more complicated. 
either way, whichever story is true, um, more and more locals started to fall in love with this recipe and it became extremely popular. And as locals were moving out of the region or as people tried the recipe while visiting in town and went back home, they were taking that idea with them. And as the hot, literally and figuratively, recipe continued to grow in popularity, large chain organizations also started to recreate this recipe because it was so popular. And some of these chain restaurants were places such as Buffalo Wild Wings and Hooters. And both these establishments are associated with being somewhere that you can go and get chicken wings, but also go there to watch sporting events, especially football. So that's how we see this relationship between eating chicken wings and football was created because these large chain restaurants were taking a recipe and also providing the environment where sports were becoming associated with food. This is definitely a newer history. I promise we'll talk about older histories in the future podcast episodes. But overall, the start of this story and of this recipe of chicken wings um, ties back to the necessity of using all parts of an animal so no food was wasted. And we see that football really got its start all the way back in the 1800s, late 1800s. So uh, it's a really cool history to see how we can combine these two very separate, very different histories, but they are so well known together. And like I said, there is a lot of great debates out there over the best football teams, the best chicken wings, and whether blue cheese or ranch should be served with these chicken wings. Personally, I'm team blue cheese. Uh, If you don't like blue cheese, you're wrong. Just kidding. (laughs) But either way, there's definitely no debate that chicken wings and football truly do go hand in hand. Now, like I promised, uh, and the point of this podcast, is that I would share a recipe for the week. And you can find this on my Facebook and Instagram page. I'll share links there. Um, And I could easily share a buffalo wing with this recipe, but honestly, that's just a little too basic for my liking and way too predictable. So for this month's recipe, I wanna share a variation of another football food favorite, buffalo cauliflower dip. Um, This is one of my family's favorite snacks to make now instead of buffalo chicken dip because it's a little healthier and honestly it tastes just as good. Um, This recipe does take a few more steps than traditional buffalo chicken dip but I promise it's so worth it and like I said it's semi-healthier. If you have problems getting your kids to eat veggies this might be a great way to get them to eat cauliflower. I don't know Um, but if you do make this recipe I do recommend pairing this recipe with a good light beer that's low in alcohol and definitely not an IPA because having a high alcohol beer or one that is an IPA can actually make the food taste spicier so make sure you pair it with something light or you know just enjoy it with a good soda or a glass of water too if that's more your speed You can find this recipe on my social media pages or on my podcast website. Well, that's all I have for you this month on food, wine, and good old times. Be sure to tune in next month for our next exciting podcast. You can head to my Facebook or Instagram page, CB Historical Consultant. That's C as in cat, B as in bat, Historical Consultant for any links to recipes, show notes, and other fun finds discussed today. Until next time, 
Cheers.